Yeah, you know, I think when we consider health and well-being, we can look at the obvious levers, right? We can look at nutrition. We can look at, you know, going to a physician to get your yearly physical. You have a condition, you can get uh, medicine that can help alleviate the symptoms. And while all of those levers are there, there's also the consideration of the unseen, of the components of our lives, our environments, the energy around us, our emotional state that are not tangible, that also play a role in it. And so in my own journey, I realized that for me to truly be well, it's not just about what I look like on the outside, right? You can walk past somebody and you can physically see like, oh, they look like a healthy human being, but you might not be aware of the emotional turmoil they might be going through because of a life circumstance, or perhaps they live in a very chaotic home and they don't realize that that's impacting their well-being. And once I realized that considering myself as a whole being, not just as a whole human, as a whole being, I really was able to tap into something that I feel has given me the ability to feel so much more vital. And I'm inspired to, to just share that with people, share that philosophy with people. I was super excited today to have Natalie Valle with us on our podcast. Natalie, you're a multidisciplinary practitioner, sound healer, Reiki master, coach, uh, yoga, meditation is in your toolbox. You're also the founder of Love and Alchemy. You have your own podcast called Practical Alchemy. You're a Nike wellness coach, all around incredible human being. I just love your energy. So we're super excited to have you today. Um, We met you in Mexico at the Wanderlust Retreat at the mm -hmm. Palmaya House of Aya. And we actually took, the last class we took from the whole four days was your sound bath, which was about resetting the nervous system mm. and really implementing what we've learned and calming down. And it just resonated with us so much. And we spoke to you afterwards. And then we found the connection that you were actually coming to Arizona to stay at one of the wellness resorts we designed. We were like, what chance is that? Um, so such that was a just, small world yeah no. such a small world so we connected on that and we thought like oh we should really take the opportunity for you to come on our podcast while you're in town and just share more about you what you're doing how you're helping people and I think it's uh, so inspirational mm. so welcome thank you it's such mm. an honor to be here and I always feel like when serendipity shows up in the way that we met and the connections that we discovered we have all the way in a different country, it's always such a reminder for me, for in my philosophy, when that happens to someone that it's a sign that you're exactly where you're meant to be with exactly the people that you're meant to be with at exactly the right time. And maybe I don't have to know what it means then, but it's one of those little winks from the universe. And I feel like our meeting was very much that, very kismet, very serendipitous. So thank you for having me. Yeah, it's really true. That's a good point in the Chinese metaphysics, uh, Anita studies, they called noblemen or noble people. And you just happen to meet the right person at the right time. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a kind of a gift And it's just something to build on. It's not somebody just sort of running you a check for $10 million. It's just somebody that just steers you in the right direction or gives you a piece of advice or just, yeah. And it's happened to us. We could count a lot of times. So we totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. 
One thing I want to share is on your website is a really beautiful quote that resonates with us. So I'm just going to read it. It says, when it comes to wellness and health, my philosophy is to consider the whole person emotionally, mentally, mentally, physically and energetically. And that really resonated with us because we talk about integrating architecture and design, making this a holistic process, infusing the knowledge of wellness and knowing wellness is not one dimensional. It's so mm. many different dimensions that come together for someone to be well and feel well. Mm. So it's just really beautiful to read that. So I felt that it was another synergy. Yeah, mm. you know, I think when we consider health and well-being, we can look at the obvious levers, right? We can look at nutrition, we can look at, you know, going to a physician to get your yearly physical, you have a condition, you can get uh, medicine that can help alleviate the symptoms. And while all of those levers are there, there's also the consideration of the unseen, of the components of our lives, our environments, the energy around us, our emotional state that are not tangible, that also play a role in it. And so in my own journey, I realized that for me to truly be well, it's not just about what I look like on the outside, right? You can walk past somebody and you can physically see like, oh, they look like a healthy human being, but you might not be aware of the emotional turmoil they might be going through because of a life circumstance, or perhaps they live in a very chaotic home and they don't realize that that's impacting their well-being. And once I realized that considering myself as a whole being, not just as a whole human, as a whole being, I really was able to tap into something that I feel has given me the ability to feel so much more vital. And I'm inspired to, to just share that with people, share that philosophy with people. Um, and this is very ancient, right? A lot of the ancient medicine people and healers knew that you didn't just consider a person based on one single aspect of their health. And so I love that you also infuse that into your work because it translates to other industries too. It's not just health and wellness, it's also space design and how that impacts the whole well-being of a person. Yeah, I mean, I've always been fascinated by the unseen, like you say, the unseen energies of a person, but the unseen energies in a space as well. Mm. It's like, how is the space designed? How does it relate to the natural sun path, to the location? And you can really feel that energetic um, difference in spaces. Mm. That's how buildings were designed in the past. They were often designed to heal. They paid attention to the sun's path, the solar energies. And I think over time it got lost, whereas buildings now actually a lot of the times make people sick so mm. it's just a different you know you build this beautiful piece of architecture that looks amazing in a magazine but it doesn't really 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 consider the occupants who are going to be using it it's more this an iconic um building in the landscape or in the skyline so it's kind of we're trying to go back to that and trying to infuse that sort of ancient wisdom like you are back into the built environment and I think there's a there's traction for it. I think people are understanding it. Mm -hmm. Pandemic actually helped people become way more aware of their own wellness journeys and well-being. So we feel it's a ripe time to sort of inject ourselves into that space. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I want to go back to you and understanding you a little bit, your journey, where you come from and where you are, um, how you've come to where you're now. Mm. So give us a little bit of an insight yeah, absolutely. I will keep this brief because I 
as we all have been on our own paths our entire lives yeah. that's kind of the the point of living a life is you know putting one foot in front of the other and really what began to shift for me was when I began to put one foot in front of the other with this sense of intentionality and understanding that again I'll pre um, I'll preface by saying you know this is my personal philosophy if it resonates with who's listening or watching beautiful if not you know maybe um yeah maybe you can you can set it aside and that's all right but for me i think what really began to shift was when i realized that by putting one foot in front of the other with intentionality and that i wasn't doing it alone i was being guided and what i mean by that is I began to see the breadcrumbs of serendipity or kismet moments or intuitive moments where I just felt drawn to something even though I didn't really know why and following that curiosity and I found that it would lead me somewhere really beautiful. And so in tangible terms, yoga came into my life when I was in college and I was at this really broken part of my life and I I say that, you know, with so much love for that chapter of my life because it gave me so much, but I was really lost. I was kind of um, not in a great mental, emotional, physical state of my life. And yoga reintroduced me with my relationship with my physical body and then quickly with my mental body and then quickly with my emotional body through an elective in college that I took because I needed an extra credit to graduate for that semester. And through yoga, which I always joke and say yoga is the gateway for so many people to discover themselves, capital S self. And through that, I discovered meditation, through that, I discovered mindfulness, um, what self-love actually meant to me. And then when I moved to Los Angeles, and it was the decision to move to Los Angeles from Florida was a decision that was inspired by something beyond myself. I woke up one morning and I said, I'm moving to LA. I don't know why, but I'm moving there. And I moved there with $2,000 to my name, no job, no apartment. I was like, I'm gonna figure it out. And I really was held through that process. I met people who would guide me to, you know, find jobs that were in alignment with what I needed at the time. And through that process, I met somebody who became a very quick friend and mentor to me, Alex Dawson. And she one day approached me and she was like, hey, I'm doing this sound training over the summer and I just felt called to invite you to take it with me. And I thought, well, I like sound baths, but I've never considered being a sound practitioner. I'm kind of on the path to be like a sales, uh, VP of sales at, at a tech company. <laughs> that that was my journey at the time. And I was like, but you know what? It's coming from me, I'll sleep on it. And um, I woke up the next morning and I was just like, there's some deep curiosity, I don't know why, but I signed up. And then day one of that training, a fire was sparked inside of me that has only continued to grow. and truly light my path it's it changed my life and i attribute it to discovering part of one of my sole purposes in this lifetime to work with sound and frequency in a way that brought me back to myself that facilitated so much healing so much growth and inspired me to share that with people for those who feel called to work with sound whether just receiving or actually learning 
the modality of sound um, to create ripples, right? To create little pockets of moments for people to experience wholeness and calm and peace, maybe moments of introspection and reflection and maybe healing. I think healing is such a big word that I don't use lightly. I think in my space that word gets thrown around a lot and what it really means can mean so much to people. Um, but it's a journey of self-discovery at the end of the day and it's a long-winded way to answer your question. It's of, a beautiful yeah, way. Yeah, how I ended up doing what I do. It's It's really like there was no moment where I consciously made the decision. It was more so just following this thread of curiosity and passion and and light and joy that led me here. That actually makes me think of it because I feel a lot of people now experience being on a certain path, but then there's some sort of nagging knowing that it's a different one. Yeah. But it's scary. It's scary to leave mm -hmm. the past. Did you feel fearful at the time? What was your emotional yeah. thought around that? I'm curious because I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that because there's a lot of there's a lot of awakening. There's mm -hmm. a lot of where we're feeling like there's something different else for, for us out there. Yes, you know, I would say for me, my the unfoldment of this new path that I was starting to see was very gentle. Um, it wasn't forced. And so I was still working in sales and partnerships. Um, I worked for a company called ClassPass for a long time, mm -hmm. you know, that was still very in line with what I loved, but it was still very much using the skill sets that I relied on to, you know, for my income, for my livelihood in sales and partnerships. And the curiosity of taking courses, taking certifications, starting to share sound was more so just a side passion for me. I never really did it for making money in the beginning. I kind of just shared it because I loved it and still relied on my uh, position at ClassPass, my corporate job to sustain me. And I, I share that a lot with my mentees and my students who, who train with me for sound. And I tell them, if you have the privilege of not needing to put the pressure on your art, on your offering, on what you want to share, of needing to make money from it, don't. Because then it, it becomes this beautiful aspect of your life that you do out of pure wanting to give. Mm -hmm. And, and not expecting to get anything back from it. And yeah, so for me, there was never any fear because I had the privilege of being able to kind of have one foot on both sides until eventually the path split too far that I had to pick a side. But for a long time, I straddled those two paths and it was a lot of work, but it was worth it and I wouldn't change it. Yeah, I think it's really beautiful the way you were describing is because that um, really allowed you to with the right energy to do it, mm -hmm. not with the fear in the background, because especially when you're healing people and you're giving energy to people and you're in fear, that's really hard. Yeah, that's really hard. One thing I really loved on your podcast is a funny thing that you were saying, I put people to sleep for work. <laughs> I think yes. that's and obviously that's not that's not what it is. That's not what sound healing is. Um, we've done a few sound baths. We love it. It really resonates with us. But for anyone who hasn't experienced this, how would you describe it? What is sound healing and mm. how does it work? Yeah, thank you for pulling that quote. It's funny. I do share that a lot. And I share it because I find that sometimes people can feel intimidated by new things that they've never experienced that 
maybe are really hyped up or seem really grandiose or seem really out of their comfort zone. And I say that because there's no right or wrong way to experience a sound bath. Oftentimes people do fall asleep. And my other joke is if you've ever done a sound bath with me, you hear it every time, is that if you snore, that's okay. It's actually, I consider snoring standing ovations for sound healers. <laughs> I like and that. so, yeah, you know, just really like peeling back the layers and um, creating common ground for people to feel like it's okay to, to not know what this is. It's okay to go into it and have whatever experience you have. Um, in short, sound baths are a form of meditation, right? Where we utilize sound frequencies created by instruments, be it crystal bowls, gongs, tuning forks, sometimes the voice. There are really wonderful sound practitioners that actually use the voice to create a change in the person's physiological state, emotional state, mental state. And it's almost like the frequencies have the ability to influence the brain waves to slow down. And what happens when the brain waves slow down is most of our day we're operating in a beta brainwave frequency where we're thinking, we're working, we're focused, we're having conversations. But if we're able to drop into a state of the subconscious state where the frequencies of our brainwave slow down so much, we actually shut off the part of our brain that we call the monkey mind. And we're able to access deep states of meditation. And so sound is a really beautiful way to drop into a deep state of awareness, a deep state of meditation where the nervous system can begin to come back to homeostasis. Uh, for the artists and creatives out there, it can allow us to access the creative parts of our brain, the subconscious parts of our brain. Um, if you are somebody who has trouble sleeping, it helps induce sleep, it helps improve sleep, memory, mood, helps reduce stress, anxiety. Um, it kicks off a cascading effects of different feel-good hormones in the body. And you know, we now understand that everything is vibration. And sound is simply vibration that falls within a range of audible human hearing. And so we're actually immersed by sound our entire existence. And so when we allow ourselves to take a pocket of time of curated intentional sound that's meant to be healing, that's meant to be calming, it can really just create so much change for that moment and then our lives. Very cool. We've done quite a few, as Anissa said. The first one I did was in two bunch palms in palm springs and oh, they have beautiful. a they have an amazing kind of sound dome there and it's actually really intense uh, to the point where i think i mentioned when we met it i don't know how much it healed as much to sort of activated i think you said sometimes it can activate your flight or fight yeah. uh, response and that one did since then it's been a little more mellow mm. but everyone's different so can you explain is there is there a sort of journey you take people on and is that mm. kind of set or is it just how you feel in the moment? How do you how do you sort of take people through that experience? Yeah, and I love that you shared that experience with me because there is a very fine line of sound that is supportive to the nervous system and then sound that's too loud. And so it, it's preference. Some people really love the loudness and the intensity. Most people that I work with tend to prefer the more subtle sound, the, the sounds that you kind of have to lean in to fully hear. And so too loud of sound can actually kick off fight or flight. Now, 
I think the question was how do I determine the the cadence mm -hmm. and the flow? Um, it's very intuitive, for sure. There is a usual formula that I like to use. You know, I usually like to start with some guided meditation, just to give the brain something to do in the beginning. You have to prime the brain and the nervous system to relax. <laughs> Otherwise, if you're, you know, going from a busy day into trying to sit and meditate, the brain's going to be like, I'm not there yet. You know, I need like an hour, if not more. And so I always like to take people through some guided meditation, some breathing to begin to activate the actual physiological response of relaxation. Um, and then I go through a journey of sound that's very much, um, yeah, when I play, I'm guided to each bowl. I don't typically have like a set of, you know, uh, curated sounds of order that I play in. It's more intuitive. Sometimes I'll lean into the space and feel like the space actually needs more spaciousness for for silence for moments of silence and i'll let the instruments kind of ring out and then bring them back in other times i feel like there is a lot that people need to release so i'll play a little louder to hold them more in that um i always like to end in the end with the chimes i actually i brought some mm -hmm. oh i love the sound yeah yeah, and just ending with some really light, ethereal sounds always helps people come back to that state of inner child, bliss, calm. But it is intuitive to answer your question. Mm -hmm. And there is kind of a formula that I like to follow of almost like this arch, you know, it's a wave. It's like we start out and then begin to increase the intensity. Then we kind of reach a peak, whether it's the gong or all the bulls are singing at once, harmonizing. And then we began to land the plane to take people through this sound journey that allows them to have an experience of whatever it is they're meant to have, right? Maybe somebody just went through a really hard time or they haven't slept in three days because they just had a newborn and they just nap the whole time, you know? So it's, it depends. It's really nice what you were just saying about the journey or almost like story you take people on. When yeah. I think about our work, it's really a lot about the journey we take people on throughout the hotel. There's moments where you want something to be more calm. There's moments of ta-da, there's something like there's something happening in the space mm. and telling a story. So I think that's really nice. I think that's why the sound bath and journey resonates so much with me because that's what we create as well as stories in the space. So yeah, you know, storytelling is so integral to how we as human beings experience, learn, integrate and so i love that you brought that in it's true it is painting a story for people of you know you have a beginning you have a, a middle kind of a peak and then you have a soft landing and i did experience that at sivana the space that you designed it's true it's like you come in you want people to feel held you want them to come in and ease into it and then you open up to you know the beautiful landscape the cascading of sounds and then you guide them back out yeah. yeah, and sometimes nature is what creates that peak moment. Sometimes mm. it's not necessarily mm. the design element. It's nature. You give nature that space to be the star of the show, and then you kind of like guide people back into the built environment. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. One thing that always interests me is you as a practitioner, what do you get out of doing the actual mm. sound healing? And yeah. how different is it from us as the recipients, as you, the practitioner? Mm, I mean, first, it's it's always such an honor to be trusted to hold space for people um, because at the end of the day, 
while yes, I'm playing the instruments, yes, I'm up there guiding, each person is is bringing their own energy into it and they're bringing their own experience and whatever they're working through. And so for me, it's always such an honor to be trusted in that way. And I sometimes will also tune into the energy of the group. Like sometimes I've had people ask me, do you also receive as you're giving the sound? And the answer is yes. Sometimes I'll literally be playing the bowls and I'll find myself closing my eyes and, start, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> nope, I'm back, I'm here. And it's quite funny. So sometimes I receive, sometimes I'm in a deep prayer state. One of my favorite prayers to sit in while I'm holding space is may all beings be happy, may all beings be healthy, may all beings be free from suffering, that metta prayer. Mm -hmm. um, because sound is a frequency and every frequency carries in it information. You think of a radio. The frequency of whatever radio station when you tune into it, you hear the information that it's carrying and it's what the person is saying through the microphone. And so in the same way that the frequencies of the audio are carrying my voice and what I'm saying to the listener's ear right now during a sound bath, as I'm playing the bowls, the frequencies of the bowls are carrying my intention. And before we recorded, I think you asked, you know, what's the difference between a good sound practitioner and a great sound practitioner? I think it's many things, but in my opinion, it's the intention that the person holds mm. and the presence that they have. Mm. And not to say that I'm perfect every time. Sometimes I have so much going on and I find myself at the end of the sound bath and I'm like, dang, like I was thinking about work the whole time. Like I wasn't present. But most of the time, I do try to be in a very present, intentional, almost prayer-like state because I know that the frequencies of the instruments are carrying my intention out. And so that's the other reason why it's such an honor because I get to sit there and and I call it prayer. Some people call it affirmations, mantra, whatever. I get to sit there and pray for all these people people and my prayers are carried through the vibration mm. and so yeah it's it's a gift wow i love that for I me it's that. a gift for me yeah yeah intention is such an important word what you were saying and again relating it back to what we do it's the intention often we put into a project mm. and the energy we put to a project by collaborating like anyone we collaborate with if it's the client the land, the property, the people that help us execute. Mm. We're really very intentional and conscious about what's the energy we're putting into it throughout the process as well. Because I feel like at the end of the day, you can feel that in the building. Yeah, It resonates. And I think it was such a beautiful way how you were saying how your intention goes through the energies and frequencies of the sound. So Yeah, I recently yeah. heard um, one of my teachers, Guru Jass, she's the singer of the band White Sun. They have some beautiful mantra music. They actually just won a Grammy oh, for wow. their mantra wow. music. It's pretty epic. Yeah. And she said that sound never dies. When a sound is created, the vibrations just continue on to the edges of the universe. Wow. Sound never dies. And so from that perspective, if your sound, whether it's the instruments or your voice, carry your intention, think about the power. Oh, absolutely. That that has. I mean, yeah. I'm like emotional just yeah. saying that, you know. 
And so I love that you said you always hold intention with what you create because what you create mm -hmm. remains Yeah. in the same way that sound never goes away. As long as a building is up intact, the intention of what you've built is yeah. is always there. It's really nice because with sound, you normally think about it something being temporary and something in the moment. But mm -hmm. the way you were describing it, it has this much longer lasting energy, which mm -hmm. is really, I think it's really good to remember that as well because partially with what we're putting out there with our voice in terms of the words we're saying as the well there's a lot saying. more there's a lot more there's a lot more longer out there than being just angry in the moment with yeah. something or someone um so we always like to remind ourselves of that too yeah uh, one thought i have is now you like you were saying yoga is almost like the gateway into more mindfulness practices mm -hmm. and i feel sound baths become a lot more popular yeah. Is there anything that you feel you would want people to know with this becoming more popular? Is there sort of any myth you want to debunk around it mm. that you feel like you want people to understand? Um, yeah. You know, there's still so little that we know about sound. In allopathic terms, sound is being used to break down kidney stones. It's being researched with cancer cells, the use of sound vibration. We use sound all the time with ultrasound, right? To look at the fetus of a womb. Um, and so there's still so little that we know. And I, it's, it's funny because I can get very metaphysical. I can get very woo woo and I love living in that space. And I'm also very much grounded in, in, I like facts. I like research based, um, especially for, for somebody like myself who people consider me a teacher, right? I have to be very careful about the information that I share. And so a lot of the things that I share with my students, I'll preface by saying this is sound theory, meaning it's not a fact. It's not proven and true. There's no substantial research behind it that says, yes, this is it. And so there is this concept in sound theory where people say um, you have a chakra bowl set. And what does that mean? It means that you have a C that corresponds with the root, a D note that corresponds with the sacral, E corresponds with solar plexus. Um, losing track of the alphabet and counting right now, but so on and so forth. And so I think that's a big one that for me, I'm very careful with when I tell people this is a root chakra bowl and what that really means, um, because it's sound theory. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not necessarily debunking it. I'm just offering the invitation to have discernment with what feels true to you. And for some of my students, they say, you know what, when I play the F bowl, I feel my heart pulsate. And I say, that's great. I don't know if that's fact or not, but if that's your experience, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, and so the way that we perceive sound is very personal. I think that there's a lot of blanket statements out there that I like to you know, say, hey, this is gray area, this is sound theory. Um, and that there's still so little that we know about sound. And that makes me excited to be on the forefront of this tool that we have, that we've always had, that has so many healing powers that maybe we don't even know about yet. I, th I think that's great. It's nice to say that you're balanced in your information they give out because in this world of information, misinformation, mm. people wanting to, you know, get clickbait or get likes and hits and views by being controversial or telling, selling, you know, from a marketing point of view, there's yeah. so much of it right now. We try and think about breaking things down into 
you know, what's going to have the most impact in reality. And if you're somebody who's promoting wellness or well-being, then you're really a fiduciary and you really should be taking care of people that are in your care. So um, you've got to be honest and truthful about mm-hmm. what it can do. But listening to you kind of sparks a lot of things in my head. I mean, yeah, when you think about breaking it down for somebody who's never done a sound bath or sound healing before, it can seem woo-woo or intimidating. Mm -hmm. But of course, we all enjoy sounds around us. People like listening to different types of music when you hear somebody with a beautiful singing voice, of course. So there's a natural inertness in us that likes certain sounds. Now people are just needing or wanting to experience it framed in this different way. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of profound. I wouldn't, before I met Anissa, I don't think it was anything I would have done. Um, But whenever I do a sound bath it's instant within a few seconds i can go into that state in between sleep and awake and it's it's hard to describe if you haven't experienced it at times i can't feel my body it's just like i'm almost just floating yeah and so if all it is for some people is just taking a pause from their hectic lifestyle that's a benefit if you can practice and go deeper and find deeper meaning and experience and healing in it then that's even better but i think it takes a few goes for a lot of people because for sure you some a lot of people are sitting there like what's it doing what am i supposed to do it's like meditating Mm -hmm. for the first time isn't it i'm supposed to do this and this is supposed to happen it takes time just to tune into your own experience totally and to just let the mind take the back seat for a moment and just to be so you know it's it's incredible, even for my, especially for myself, I'm the only experience that I know, but we spend so much of our lives living in different places that are not the here and now. And even just that pause to be in the here and now and to be present with the sounds around you, the smells, the sights, you know, it really just anchors you into, into a beautiful state of being. Yeah. Which yeah. we all really need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do, For yeah. sure. <laughs> you were talking about um, that you're teaching people. Mm-hmm. And I always find that really interesting because I'm someone that loves ancient knowledge, that absorbs a lot of knowledge. I have a really hard time to say to myself, oh, I, now I know enough. Now I can teach people. So I'm always interesting to find out what was the point for you that you felt I want to teach people? What was mm-hmm. putting you towards that? And what made you feel confident to do it? What was that jump? Yeah, I love that question. Thank you. You know, I'm a teacher, but before that, I am a student always and forever. I am always learning. I was chatting with somebody yesterday and she was like, what do you, what, like, what takes up your time during the days? You know, she was trying to figure out my life because it's always changing. And, and the one thing that always kind of was constant every day was learning. I, I learn I'm always enrolled in some sort of course, which is both uh, a blessing and a curse to have that crave of education and knowledge. And I, it, when I decided to start teaching, when I felt like I was ready was when, I, when the students started to show up and people would ask me, do you have courses I want to learn? Do you teach people? And so there was this external pull of people wanting me to step into that and wanting to learn with me. And then also what really clicked, because I was like you, I, I thought I'm not ready. I've only been doing this, you know, three years at that time. Um, now I'm going on six, which is 
time is such a weird construct. And I'll never forget somebody said to me, don't worry about being able to teach everybody. Worry about being able to teach the people who are maybe two to three steps behind you. That's more than likely who you're going to end up teaching anyways, you know? And so just to remember that we all have something, whether we decide to call ourselves teachers by profession or trade, we all have something we can teach somebody. And so to not shy away from stepping into a role that you're being called to step into, recognizing that, you know, you're not meant to teach every single person. Yes, there will always be people who are way more educated, way more experienced, and maybe those can be, you know, my teachers. And so the people that I can support are the people that are just a couple steps behind me. And it's less intimidating to think of it that way, at least for me. Thank you for sharing that. I love how you said that it was an external pull because I think now thinking about it, that takes myself a little bit out of it. The self-consciousness about it's not because it's not really about yourself when you're mm. teaching. It's really about sharing and being there for others. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll really, I'm going to meditate on that. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we talk about that. Anissa is a big consumer of all kinds of different levels of information, but has had a hard time. That's, that's why we get along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> had a hard time thinking that she's at a point now she's gained enough knowledge or enough expertise that she can share with people. But mm. if Other you're... than the day-to-day -day we were doing like in design, I'm very confident, but I, I'm just trying to think like, okay, what was that? What was that? That made me, I think it's just time and experience. It is, but a lot of people naturally draw, get drawn to you and you do end up sharing knowledge with them, which is teaching. You're yeah. just not framing it in a course that you're selling online. It's not, you're just sharing your knowledge. Yeah. And that's the best way. Actually, we continue learning. We learn better by teaching because yeah. really the luckiest person in the room is the teacher because that's sharing it. that knowledge is is amazing and you get better at sharing it and you mm -hmm. refine it and you, you learn yourself. So, yeah. yeah. I'm going to pull from uh, my my partner in uh, in my work at the moment. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just do it. Well, that's a perfect yeah, segue because as a Nike wellness coach, what does that mean? What is that? I'd never heard of it before. I was really intrigued when I heard it because it was like, that's a, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I Thank you. <laughs> I No one had ever heard of it mm. until... A couple of us were asked to become it, actually. So last year, exactly a year ago, I attended a women's circle and it was a beautiful women's circle where we were partnered with another individual to do this partner exercise. And the person that I was partnered with was the woman who's responsible for sports marketing partnerships at Nike. And she and I met having no idea who each other was. I wasn't teaching, I was just attending. And we had this beautiful moment of connection. You know, we did deep work together in that session and we were like, let's exchange numbers, let's exchange Instagrams, let's be friends. And she ended up being the person who uh, brought me onto Nike. She, when we connected, she saw my Instagram and she said, wait, I didn't realize the work that you did, we need to talk. And so that in itself was very kismet. You know, mm. I was showing up to this women's circle to receive, receive way more than I bargained for. <laughs> and um, she told me, you know, Nike is realizing that going back to the point of looking at fitness for Nike's at least uh, perspective, looking at a person as a holistic 
standpoint, looking at health from a holistic viewpoint. Nike realized that they had not been looking at fitness and health from a holistic standpoint. They were looking at the athlete, the performance, you know, the the metrics, the increase in speed, increase in strength, and then what about the mental health? Mm. What about the emotional health? What about the community aspect? What about all the other things that make a human being a human being? And so they really, they they took a chance and they pivoted their brand and they launched a whole new arm of the Nike family that is now known as Nike Well Collective. And so within that, they have we have five pillars of what we consider well-being, and that is movement, nutrition, community, mindfulness, and rest. Mm. And so from those five pillars, they obviously needed to bring in the experts to then represent those five pillars within the Nike family. And so I was brought on as a mindfulness coach under the Nike family. And and it's funny because, you know, we just finished, the reason that I'm here in Arizona is because we just finished a Nike trainer exchange, a whole summit for the trainers in LA and New York. So it was very fun, very high energy, as you can imagine. And, you know, they kept referring to us as athletes. Now, mind you, I do consider myself an athlete. I was a runner, a gymnast, I still run. I, you know, love lifting weights. So I'm, I'm very athletic as a person, but, in my profession, I don't consider myself an athlete, right? So it was funny that they were saying our athletes are Nike athletes. I was like, yeah, sound healers are <laughs> yeah. athletes. And um, but all that to say is that under this new way that Nike perceives health is taking all those pillars into consideration. And I fall under the mindfulness portion being a mindfulness coach, sharing mindfulness through the modalities that all the modalities I work with, sound, meditation, yoga, tapping, emotional freedom technique, um, you know, the, the energy healing with Reiki. And it's still, it's, it's still like a pinch me kind of moment. I never thought I would be signed with Nike as doing the work that I do, but it's really cool to see that such a big household brand is bringing wellness and Mm -hmm. mindfulness and mental health into the conversation because it's a a sign of the times, you know, it really is. Absolutely. Yeah. Which way do you execute it? How is it done? Is it online programs? Is it how does it work? Yeah, so the way that I work with them primarily is they do a lot of in person events for the community. So within LA, they'll do a lot of free community Mm -hmm. events in which they'll pull me in to teach whether a meditation guide people through a yin yoga session, a sound bath. Um, It's also through representing the brand on social media under the pillar of mindfulness, just sharing what I already share. Um, and also, you know, bringing Nike into that conversation as well. Um, they pull us into panels and they mm. actually ask us, you know, what what does your community want? What mm. does your community need to get an understanding of what wellness actually means to the community, to the consumer, to the client? And it's really cool. You know, they they walk the walk and it's yeah. it's cool to be on the inside of such a big organization such a big name and and realize like they have integrity and that's that's rad because not a lot of big names can say that you know 
what I always find fascinating when a big brand reinvents and innovates yes. and really understands and is there for the people, what mm -hmm. people need. Mm -hmm. um, and on that note, I'm curious if you had any insight when we talk about what people need, the social connection. Was there any consensus that you had, especially like people coming from the West Coast, East Coast? What is it, what the common voice, what people are saying we need? Is, was there anything you can share that was a lot discussed mm. about or was just what, people, what bothers people, what excites people? Yeah, I think coming off of the heels of a global pandemic, there was a realization, especially for people who work in the health and wellness space, to realize that mental health is actually a much bigger conversation than we ever realized it was and it needs to be brought to the forefront now more than ever you know even though we're so connected through social media we are the mm. loneliest we've ever been and 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 loneliness leads to disease you know we're communal creatures we're we're meant to live in groups and collaborate and feel supported by our family by our community and so yeah i think it's it's exciting to see that people feel safe again to mm. be in public spaces and hug one another and have that connection with the people around us. And yeah, we notice that there's just a big desire for people to come together. I think you were sharing it with the spaces that you create. It's like, how do you create not just a space where people can go and have an amazing weekend of re refreshing and re-energizing themselves, how can they incorporate that into their everyday and build community around mm -hmm. it? And I think that was the biggest thing. It's people want community. And for whatever reason, even though we're so connected through social media, people feel disconnected from their communities. And so I think the craving of more spaces that bring people together, not for performative purposes, not for you know, the Instagram post, but actually just to connect with people mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, yeah. Yeah, we hear that a lot. And for us, what's really interesting is what does it take for that space to be like, to mm. offer what's the amenities, what's the, what's the lighting in there? How do you create something that people want to come together and can benefit from it? And it's, mm -hmm. it's different when it's something that's more active, where you like socially actively coming together or if it's something where you're more resetting, resting, doing something more mindful. But it's really interesting for us to hear because we want to know, we want to think outside of the box as well and create spaces and locations and hubs that people now need and want to do and just mm -hmm. not repeat what's in architecture and design, what's always been done. Um, so that's why we love conversations with you and you having that insight into like a much bigger um, pool as well. So that's mm. really interesting for us. That's why we always want to dig. Yeah, and I think you guys do a good job of, you know, seeing some of the spaces, some of the renderings, actually physically being in the space that you've curated. You There is a lot of space for people to sit together, people to be in close quarters within an open, spacious, you know, setting, of course, but it is special to find places where it feels like the intention behind it is for people to feel together, even if they're sitting at different tables, you know? Yeah. That's important. Actually, I forgot one question on that note of creating a space when yeah. we're talking about sound healing. Mm -hmm. If you could design or gave us the task to design you the perfect space for sound mm. healing, what would it look like? What would it feel like? Is there anything on the acoustics you can think of? What would that yeah. space, what could the space deliver that any normal space to really make your service 
even more special for people? Oh, I love this question. And it's, I love meeting you guys because I've always believed that aesthetics have such an important role to play in well-being and how spaces make people feel. And I think you both execute that so beautifully. And the other piece for me is sound baths are ideally indoors. That being said, I love being surrounded by nature. You know, nature in itself is so healing. And so if I could have a perfect sound bath location, it would be integrating nature somehow and being able to integrate earthy textures, earthy colors, earthy tones. I'm not an acoustics expert, so I don't know what kind of materials it would need, but for sure, making sure the acoustics, you know, the walls are um, soundproof enough that if it is within a city, if it is a place where it's surrounded by a lot of life, that it can still be quiet enough mm -hmm. inside and allowing for the space to have the feel of nature, even though it's an indoor space. And a space that feels like uh, like a womb, so to mm. speak, um, because there is such safety that can be created. And when people feel safe, then people can really go deep because yeah. the nervous system says, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. have to be in fight or flight. Right. Yeah. That's right? a and really body good point. Yeah. yeah. I like the word womb because often what we do is it's a words. Womb room. We often hear yeah, the womb <laughs> room. <laughs> we often take words and then we pull colors, materials, textures, inspiration that represents for us that word, that evokes the emotion of that word. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. Yeah, acoustically, I assume you, you don't want to make it so acoustically dead that the sound hits the walls and just gets absorbed. It needs to resonate it's somewhat. It's nice when the sound bounces. Right. bounces. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite studios, which next time you both come to LA, I'll have to have you come to one of my classes mm. there. It's a studio called Ethereal Yoga in Topanga. And it's like when you, the floors are all wood and it's, it's a very minimal space, but when you go in, it's like the first part of the building, it's like a low ceiling. And then when you get to the studio, the ceiling kind of expands mm. and it becomes a really mm. tall, long ceiling, tall mm -hmm. ceiling. And the, the way that the sound bounces in there is really spectacular. I would love to have you guys experience We'd sometime. love to do yeah. that, yeah. yeah. And then make it our mission to create your beautiful space. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I could be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Just going back, you said about being surrounded by nature, but often in those in your classes or sound classes, people wear eye masks to Ooh. sort of go sensory, mm -hmm. you know, deprivation in a way. So is that important or is it still important to have a connection to the outside? Mm. You know... I think that natural elements like plants change the energy in a space mm -hmm. just by their presence being there, mm -hmm. the, the oxygen that's created and filtered through their presence. And when people, yes, I do, I do recommend people close their eyes if they have access to an eye pillow or an eye mask that they wear it. But going into the sound bath and coming out of it 
to have the experience of nature, I think, would feel really grounding, especially if somebody has a really cosmic experience. You know, they, they drop into the theta brainwave, their pineal gland is going wild, they're, you know, seeing visions, seeing colors, which can sometimes happen. Sometimes people have very psychedelic experiences. You know, it's an altered state of consciousness when you are able to slow down the brainwaves into a different mode, you know, just being in a state of consciousness that's not the norm, people do have altered state of consciousness experiences. So to come out of it, be able to open your eyes and be surrounded by very grounding elements, mm -hmm. I think would be nice. Yeah, I think I've definitely experienced what you were just describing. And I, I agree with the plants having their own energy. We don't just always have to see them. Mm. Um, so I think that's, yeah, I, I love the idea of still having nature like visually outside, but also indoors and then yeah. feeling, feeling. I always nature. had a dream, a vision of having a studio that's also a plant store. And, you know, you can, whether you're doing yoga, you're meditating, and if you're meditating next to this stunning fiddle tree, and you fall in love with it, you can take it home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel a little about our studio here because you, I mean, we can't fully see it, but we're surrounded by plants. It's, I <laughs> love it. I love it. It's so important. Yeah. My goal is to put even more in the space. Mm -hmm. We spoke before about us doing sacred geometry. And what's really interesting in our learnings there is that musical notes have dimensions. Mm. And we're learning that each note has a certain yeah, physical dimension. So we can start design spaces based on notes, which is wow. really important really cool and the notes as you know evoke different emotions you know you're mm -hmm. trying to calm somebody down or they might excite somebody so we can start to design a space depending what the use is and use those notes as a guide for the dimensions yeah it's really cool so <laughs> i didn't know that yeah, that's amazing yeah we've just been learning it too and so you know it could be anything like a hotel has so many different different energy centers you know sleep and rest is one you might have a spa which is another but there's mm. other areas that you want to be a little more active say in yeah. a bar you want to be honest you want people to or spend money gym. yeah the gym so we can start to design areas zones at one dimension and then hone it down within those zones too to be very specific for the intended use so that wow. the energy and the nice thing is that nobody needs to know it's just what the energy is something that somebody feels it's yes. and you're just helping engage them in this space how it's supposed to be used which i think is for us is fascinating so um yeah that's beautiful yeah. engaging the senses that we've yet to discover that's right so it's super cool and then that same note it's similar to how you were describing the notes resonating with certain chakras mm. it's similar to the dimensions where you can create chakra paths with different dimensions between certain points wow and then really um yeah activate certain chakras wow so, yeah yeah i'm really excited wow. what i feel like there's something we're gonna all explore together yes yeah. along those notes so let's yeah. see what we can come up with it's fascinating wow yeah i want to ask you when we like after um, Mexico we met in Arizona between the years when you were visiting with your husband between the years it was between the years what day is it <laughs> yeah what day is it you were sharing um, for this year your goal or vision was to focus on your mm. business 110 percent mm -hmm. how how do you, how are you getting there are you getting there yeah. what's your method to doing that and then also what do you do for yourself uh, to not stress yourself out mm. with the big goal and pushing forward and moving. Mm. Thank you for holding me accountable. <laughs> um, you know, I think that for me this year has been a lot around 
simplifying and like peeling away the things that are nice to haves but not crucials and what I mean by that is I'm somebody who can so easily get drawn into different projects and can have my hand in so many different pots and in the past that was fun and that worked out great and I got to be very creative but I found that it was at the expense of staying focused on the things that I really had the intention to prioritize and so this year um, I'm really learning to say no to things Mm -hmm. that sound exciting but don't really feed into what I'm intentionally setting out to do and it's a practice you know it's really hard being self-employed and having opportunities come and saying you know what I'm actually going to pass on this one Um, but what's been beautiful about that is that I've had the ability to share those opportunities with some of my students and graduates who maybe have the bandwidth or it's more aligned um, but so I'm, I'm really stripping down the nice to haves, setting those aside and just focusing on what's really going to help me double down on what my intention is and what areas I'm focusing on. And so I got really clear at the beginning of the year, you know, I really want to focus on my sound trainings, um, really creating a, a training that is going to help people in a way that all filling all the gaps that I feel like I had when I was learning focusing on the podcast I find so much passion I'm excited to have you both on the Mm -hmm. podcast season three is coming soon and you guys would be great to have on Um, focusing on my nonprofit organization Latinas who meditate and then my partnership with Nike Mm -hmm. and that's really it even though it sounds like a lot still um, but if you can imagine before that I had like 20 other things Absolutely. I would list off. Yeah. And I think we talked about it. It's like staying in my zone of genius. What yeah, is it? I love that. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, what is it that is really lighting me up? I feel like I can do with my eyes closed and and is going to feed into the path, the direction that I am purposely creating mm-hmm. for this year. And things might come up, things might change, but for now that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And it's good. I think just adding more structure as a creative, as a healer, I think it's so easy to live in the ethereal realms and just be like, I'm just going to trust the unfoldment that the universe guides me to. But it's like, no, no, I need structure. I need a container. I need to stay focused. <laughs> I love that. And a big word you were using there was clarity. And I think that's mm-hmm. really, I think that's really important because the more clarity we have, the more focus, the more we focus on the things that actually matter and that yeah. we really speak to our ability and to the genius zone you were mentioning. Yeah, and we're then in also, a very similar place with really, you. Yeah. yeah, you were saying that. Yeah, it's an interesting time. And sometimes when you're just grinding away and you're just mm-hmm. chugging away, sometimes you just have to take that step back and, you know, sort of have that eagle vision and just zoom out and just look and go, hold on a minute. We're just. And I get frustrated when I feel like we're repeating past mistakes or we're treading the same waters. Like, here we go again. And we've been very quick now to just go, no, this isn't the right way. And I think we mentioned that uh, book, that 10x is easier than 2x uh, on the teachings of Dan Sullivan. And it, it speaks to a lot of what you just said. It's having that clarity, finding the 20% that brings most value, your best at, it lights you up mm. and then getting rid of the other 80 percent to either just eliminate it from your life or have other people do those mm-hmm. tasks for you and just really being able to focus on 
on what's most important. So that we've been in the same place, like no, and to the same point. Yesterday we just turned down a humongous project, which two wow. years ago we would have, you know, bitten their arm off. And it's just like no, it doesn't feed into our mission and journey of where we're going. So wow. it's scary on one hand, but it it's exciting and. Well, you leave the space open yeah, for something more aligned to come in and fill it, right? And you were explaining it really beautifully as well, because sometimes if something isn't right for you, you then give someone else the opportunity to work on that. And I think that's kind of how we see it too. You just give it to someone who needs that work at the time and who's more suited. I think that's really important to just think more abundantly and not grabbing everything and just feeling, oh my God, if I don't take this, there's not something else there. Mm think yeah. that's where the magic really happens and that's what we did yesterday actually we recommended another firm that we thought would be a good fit and yeah. hope it works out so it's uh yeah it's kind of empowering as well at the same time but it is yeah it was a good test of our new <laughs> mindset yes i yeah. love that we share that yeah. you know that uh intention mm-hmm. i yeah. remember when we met and had machos at i think we we're at zinke yeah. yeah yeah we shared that we're we're staying we're sticking to our guns yeah. we're saying yeah. this is our intention this yeah. is our focus and it is staying in that abundance mindset you know we live in an infinite universe mm-hmm. and yeah. endless possibilities yeah you just got to stay open you do absolutely mm-hmm. and take them mm-hmm. yeah one thing i was seeing at the beginning is that i really i love your energy thank you and I'm always curious, what do you do for yourself to stay within that positivity, within mm. that radiance? What's your practice? What is your non-negotiable routines? If I mean, you want to share the secret. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't think it's a secret, but you can try it on for size and let me know. Um, I think the first one is a very cliche thing, but it's so, it's a non-negotiable for me. And that's how I spend the first hour of my morning. I love waking up and moving my body i do some gentle stretching just to get prana and chi into my body through the breath through movement through blood flow and then i do my morning pages i'm currently doing the artist way and i journal you know get all my thoughts on paper and then i do some sort of meditation and my meditation practice changes depending on how i'm feeling it can be just a simple breath work it can be silence it can be mantra based i can you know listen to a guided one depends on what I need in that day. Um, I start my day with a lot of water. I Mm. hydrate my body. You know, it's, it's a combination of my mental, my emotional and my physical, right? The physical vessel needs vitality in order for your spirit to fully shine and, and drive it. Right. And so making sure that the body's taken care of so that you can feel vital um is really important and i don't look at my phone i don't look at my screen i try to at least not look at my phone for the first two hours of the day morning sunlight Mm -hmm. is so Mm -hmm. key i mean you know if if you've listened to huberman lab podcast he's you know we all know it's sunlight is so important in the morning um and time in nature yeah you know, if I'm, I, I have days where I'm feeling awful and I tell my partner, you know, today is a day where I don't have a lot of bandwidth. So if I'm short, if I snap at you, just, just get, you can feel free to not talk to me the whole day. Like I won't be offended. And then I know myself, I know when I need to take myself for a walk, you know, we're, we're all needing to learn how to parent ourselves and it looks different for everybody. And for me, I know 
I need to take myself for a walk. I need to put myself in, in quiet and peace and take myself out of the chaos. I need to nourish. Maybe I've been eating poorly. Um, so it's, it's a multitude of things, but my mornings are so sacred mm. to me, so special. And if I can start my morning right, I have more bandwidth for the rest of the day to throw whatever it wants to throw at me, you know? I totally feel the same. I mean, I think we feel the same. The mornings are really sacred. Yeah. That really determines a lot because I think in the past, especially like, we you know, owning a business, mm-hmm. everything being quite high paced, a lot of stress is sometimes you just feel like, oh, you got to look at your email straight away. And it's just been such a bad way of setting up your day. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm way better at being of service for people when I've like gave myself that time a little bit and that consciousness and not being reactive to things and just really coming with a calm attitude into the office and then you can just handle everything that the day throws at you yeah it's really important i was listening to somebody the other day and i don't understand all the brave waves and the beta and the theta was it Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, but they were saying if you as soon as you wake up and um, you know engage with your phone or emails it you know activates a part of your brain that isn't really ready to be activated that's it it. yeah it sets you off on the wrong path for Mm -hmm. the start of the day but um it's hard though isn't it in in the real world for we just these phones have become on one hand an incredible device but they just they become a you know people are addicted we're all yeah, addicted we to them. are i mean i don't say that i am i mean we can't help it it's just part of yeah part of our life and really having the discipline to just say no that i mean that's great that you're that disciplined i can't say i am always that disciplined you know i yeah. I, I fall short of it but it's it's having boundaries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's having boundaries to really support yourself in the long run and i think we live in the age of immediate gratification it's so easy to have immediate gratification and so as many times as we can delay gratification it's we're training our brains, yeah. you know, we're building neural pathways and the recognition that we have the ability to build a new neural pathway, whether it's breaking the addiction of social media or being somebody who exercises in the morning. It's, I think it's empowering to remember that we are not our bodies, we're not our brains, and we have autonomy and sovereignty mm-hmm. over them and, and we can choose. But it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a choice. I think what that leads me to thinking is we always talk about purpose and the importance of purpose. And mm. I feel like when you have that purpose, it's a much bigger driver than just motivation to stick to something and to do something. Mm. Um, and I almost think like on that note, we could maybe even finish on something that I um, was reading on your website. You were saying, actually on your podcast, you were saying it. Um, you were talking about the incredible power of planning your unique talent with being in service for others Mm. and that you found your purpose and your path through that. Mm. Is there something that you could leave our listeners with how you found your unique purpose? I know you kind of were describing a little bit in the beginning, but how do you find your unique purpose? I want to say first that purpose doesn't always have to mean job or career. I think in this Western society, we capitalism is a neutral entity. I think it depends our relationship to it in ways, in, in some ways. But our purpose doesn't always have to be what we do for money. You know, somebody's purpose can be raising the future generation by being an incredible mother, mm-hmm. you know, or making people's day because they are so kind that they have the ability to pierce somebody's 
sour heart mm-hmm. and and bring them back into their light, mm-hmm. right? And so all that to say, for me, what I believe is if you follow your highest excitement, you have no other option but to end up discovering what lights you up and and what makes you feel passionate and on purpose. And your highest excitement can be painting, it can be running, it can be walking your dog, you know? And so simplifying it, not putting so much pressure on it, thinking mm-hmm. that that needs to be your career, and then trusting yourself that you already have the answers. It's already encoded in your DNA what your gifts are. It's just a matter of peeling back the layers and discovering it by figuring out what makes me the most happy, what makes me the most excited, and doing more of it. And the final piece I want to say is to not get so caught up in what you want to do. Get more caught up in who you need to become. Mm. And the rest will fall into place. Wow. Hmm. What a beautiful note to finish. Yeah. (laughs) That is beautiful. So I think it does in this world. There's so much pressure on yeah. Everyone's supposed to find their why or their purpose, which I do truly think is important because yeah. I think it supersedes a lot of the smaller things that we fill our lives with. I call them junk highs, whether it's alcohol, Netflix, coffee, mm-hmm. you know, social media, so, yeah, all of that. Yeah. But like Anisa said, when you do have a why or a bigger purpose, that stuff goes out the window because you know it doesn't lead you to where you're trying to get to. Um, right. And then we know it's it really is the journey and who you become on that journey is so mm. true. Yeah, because that's I feel like that's what we're taking with us. We don't take anything else with us other mm-hmm. than that experience, that energy that we gathered and what we've given to others, that and fulfillment. And how you made other feel along yeah. the way, you know. I do actually have one last question to take it back to sound healing. Sure. So for somebody who's never tried it, how would you say... You know, how would you say the experience would be for those people and why should they go and try it? Mm. Well, we know that sound has so much power that when we are in pain, we emote through grunts. When we are happy, we emote through laughter. And so sound is something so inherently natural to us. It's it's one of the first sensory organs that we develop as a fetus is the inner ear. And so one of the first experiences, sensory experiences that we have as a human is sound. And so sound can be so many things to different people and to approach it from a place of curiosity, of openness. Maybe you listen to a sound bath on YouTube. Maybe you actually go to a dedicated sound bath. Maybe you go to listen to an orchestra Mm -hmm. and that's your sound bath, right? right? Um, And just to allow the experience to surprise you for whatever it might be. And I like to say that at the very least, experiment with your own sound. And what I mean by that is there is this practice called toning. And toning is just creating sounds, whatever sound wants to come through. And the Sufis said that the most powerful instrument known to humankind is the voice, because the voice is the only instrument that contains consciousness. And so at the very least, experiment with your own sound, listen to the sound of your voice, not to sound pretty and sing, but just to create vibrations that are going to continue moving through the ethers until the edges of the universe. 
That sounds perfect. So nice. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Natalie. It's been a delight to have thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both for yeah. having me.